Pat and I had an opportunity to take the grandsons on the bike trail this past Monday, and and it was Hudson's first ride on the bike trail for the year, and and he did really well for a five and a half year old, and and uh, we put a little camel pack, a water bag on his back so that he could drink water as he he biked, just to kind of you know keep him hydrated, as it was quite warm that day, and. And uh, Pat had put a bike seat on the back of my bike, and and uh, for Jack, as as he's just two and a half and and can't ride bike on his own yet, although he's working really hard to keep up with his big brother. But when Pat put that bike seat on my bike, um, and and obviously must have told Jack that that was my bike, uh, Jack was going, no, Grandma, uh, Papa Pat ride bike, um, and how he says it in his his. Uh, early language but he obviously didn't want grandma driving the bike that he was on i don't know if he was concerned about my driving abilities my bike riding skills whatever it was but papa pat had to be the one that was on the bike with jack and and pat had uh put a camel pack on as well only his was a bigger version than than what hudson's was and it had outside pockets as well and so pat's got that strapped on his back and jack's right behind him and and i had opened up the bag of crackers and and for and put it in that outside pocket and so jack just thought this was like the greatest thing to have crackers accessible whenever he wanted it and his water was right there as that camel pack of his brothers was strapped on the seat behind him and life was just plain good pat and i used to use those camel packs when we uh did triathlons and so that's why we uh had them for for these hot bike rides with the grandkids but if you live in minnesota long enough you learn to just deal with the weather you just roll with it for it seems like only in minnesota can we go from ice covered lakes at the beginning of the month to 80 to 90 degree days um, with high humidity um, in that same month and and from seeing our kids or our grandkids with their winter ice fishing gear on and the snow pants and the boots um, to then having them in their swimming trunks and and running through the sprinkler at the end of the month and so we teach our kids to dress appropriately who can remember their mom's voice put your mittens on put your hat on of course now it's put the sunscreen on put the tick repellent on, put the sunglasses on. We teach them to be prepared for whatever Minnesota outdoors can throw at them, providing appropriate attire for them. And, and if we do this for our kids and our grandkids, how much more will our Heavenly Father provide appropriate attire for us as well? And so as we continue our study of Nehemiah, as he led the Israelites in the building of the wall around Jerusalem, we learn that when you are about God's work, you can expect opposition. And the past two weeks, our focus was on getting an awareness of of our enemy, his names and his tactics, as we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so having an awareness helps us to resist our enemy's attacks. This week, we're going to turn to God's word to see that God provides us with appropriate attire for the invisible war. Appropriate attire. 
we have seen Nehemiah's adversaries go from being disturbed at his arrival to accusing them of rebellion to ridiculing and mocking them. But after the people rebuilt the wall to half of its height, with the people working um, with all their heart, the opposition ramped up their efforts. Beth Moore, a well-known author of Bible studies, shares this personal insight from her book, Praying God's Word. And she writes, When I wrote my first series, my life transformed dramatically. The enemy watched a, a forest fire of unquenchable passion ignite my heart for God. And suddenly I went from being an interest and a concern to being a threat. The same played out in Nehemiah. So before we read the word this morning, let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for providing your word for giving us instruction to how to navigate this journey of faith in Christ. We thank you that you equip us through it, that you direct us. So Lord, we just pray as we read your word this morning, Lord, you're going to help us along this journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7, 8, and 11. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. And then verse 11, Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. The opposition escalated against Nehemiah and the Israelites. First the adversaries were angry and then they became verbally abusive and then they threatened physical attack. Nehemiah and the Israelites had to be on guard at all times. Our adversary will also escalate his opposition against us when he sees that we continue to be about the good work that God has given us to do. As we passionately seek God and are about the work that he sets before us, we should expect that escalation in attacks from our adversary. As we move from being an interest to a concern to a threat in the eyes of Satan. But thankfully, God gives us what we need to resist the enemy's attacks. He gives us appropriate attire and weapons for battle. Our daughter-in-law, Kai, who we looked at um, the last two weeks, serves our country in the army. She has been given talent in so many areas. She not only sewed her own wedding dress, she also created it, following no other pattern than the one in her head. Now, I can operate a sewing machine and follow directions in a pattern, but create a wedding dress by looking at other dresses, sketching something out on paper, and then taking scissors and cutting the fabric with no tissue pattern pieces to follow, and then sewing those pieces together, no directions, and expect to wind up with a dress that could actually be worn? Not a chance. But it did turn out beautiful, and I keep encouraging her to further her school in schooling in, or explore schooling in this area because she is very talented. 
but she would never think of wearing her wedding dress nor her four-inch heels out to the battlefield. It would only not be appropriate, but it would severely hinder her defending herself. She needs her uniform, what her, the army has issued her, her tan t-shirt, her OCP blouse and trousers, her green socks, her IBA bulletproof vest, her tan boots, her gloves, her Kevlar helmet, her eye and ear protection. She also has issued a, a netting vest that gear is attached to, her water bottle, medical kit, ID tags, pouches of ammo along with pens and paper, and of course, she's issued a weapon. But having all of her uniform gear and weapon in her field locker isn't going to do her a bit of good. She has to put her uniform on, attach her gear, and pick up her weapon before she would head into battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives us a list of the Christian's armor of God for this invisible war. Attire and weapons that are available to us as followers of Jesus. And I say available because we have to take the initiative to put them on and take them up. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10, as Paul tells us what it is that, that we need. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle, and we are told to stand. You might then ask a really wise question. What is available to me? Here is your God-issued attire as a soldier in the invisible war given to us in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul gives us a list with a Roman soldier in mind that's what it would have been familiar around him as he was under house arrest. And he starts out the list of armor with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth is the first foundational piece of armor. It was typical that the soldiers in Paul's day would wear an undergarment that looked similar to a robe. It would be long. And if they went into battle with their robe flowing, they would have been easily ensnared quickly and easily. That undergarment would have hindered them. Similarly, as to why our daughter-in-law would never entertain the idea of wearing her wedding dress in battle. And so to secure their undergarment out of the way, the soldiers would gather up the excess fabric into the belt, giving him unhindered movement. Likewise, the belt of truth in our Christian armor helps us to live unhindered, unhindered by untruth. John fourteen six says that Jesus is truth. We can take the word at his word. When we know the one in whom truth originates and we think on him, we meditate on him, we can perceive untruth when we see it or hear it because we've spent time with truth. It's more easily um, detected when it's a lie. 
And of course, from whom do lies originate? Satan. Satan fights with lies, and sometimes his lies sound like truth. But we as believers have received God's truth, and we stand against Satan's lies as we put on the belt of truth. Ephesians 4:21 and 23 reads, Surely you have heard of him, referring to Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're able to distinguish truth from the lie, good from evil, right from wrong. And of course, we need to apply that to the way we live, to put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Our belt of truth is our first piece of God's armor. It's secured first. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Then Paul adds, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The soldier's breastplate was designed to cover their chest, their vital organs, especially their heart from an enemy's attack. This would be comparable to the army-issued bulletproof vest. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're putting on the sanctifying righteousness through Christ, which guards our hearts through the, against the blows of the devil. The breastplate of righteousness is in place not through what we have done, but only in what Christ has done for us and in us. And we put it on by submitting to his lordship, by right living, by living a life of godly integrity. Reminding ourselves that we have Christ's righteousness covering, protects us from the tactics of the enemy on the very seat of our emotions, our self-worth and trust. We can be confident in Christ as we put on the breastplate of righteousness. What's next on the list? Foot attire. And no four-inch heels here. The army issues boots, not very fashionable, but certainly much more practical. And in biblical times, the soldiers would strap on sandals fitted with spikes on the bottom of their shoes. And this would make their footing sure in the battle. Think about our ice cleats that we wear in the winter. That would be similar as it gives us that uh, sure footing on ice, those slippery surfaces. Paul instructs us that we are provided with sure footing for the battle, feet footed with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, peace that we're secure in Christ, peace that we are reconciled and in right relationship with our heavenly father. When we have this peace, we know that all God's promises are true for us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. As we put on the gospel of peace, we can stand in the battle with feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Our footing is sure. The next piece of armor is is not to be put on, but rather we are told to take it up. In verse 16, Paul instructs us, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Roman soldier would carry a shield made of wood covered with stretched linen or leather to absorb fiery arrows. It also protected the other pieces of armor, hence in addition to all of this, as Paul wrote. Nehemiah's faith in God was evident from the very first chapter. He had faith in his covenant-keeping Lord. He knew whom it was that he was praying to. His faith was unwavering. 
As followers of Christ, our resolute faith in the Lord acts as a shield against the flaming arrows of accusations, insults, temptations, setbacks, fear, doubt, and so forth. Whatever tactic the enemy shoots our way, our faith in Christ Jesus our Lord helps us to see beyond our circumstances and know that ultimate victory is ours. So as we take up the shield of faith, faith in Christ, it doesn't just deflect the attacks of the devil, though. It puts them out. It extinguishes the attacks of our adversary. Paul then instructs us in verse 17 to take the helmet of salvation. When Pat and I took the grandsons biking on Monday, we made sure that they had their helmets on. Again, this was Hudson's first ride of the year on the paved trail, and and he was complaining that his head was hot with it on, and so we let him take it off when we stopped. But whenever we were on the bikes, the helmet was on. And Pat and I were the good role models and also wore helmets, and a head meeting the pavement without a helmet isn't going to have a good outcome. But a bullet coming in contact with a head isn't either. A battle helmet is designed to offer protection from enemy attack, and no soldier would engage in battle without one. Neither should we. Our battle helmet is one of salvation. First Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 say, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live with him. The helmet represents the hope of salvation, offered to protect our minds from discouragement and the darkness of this world. We can receive tremendous encouragement when we focus on the fact that Jesus has won the victory through his sacrificial death on the cross. So take up the helmet of salvation. Paul also instructs Christians to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. No soldier is going to head off into battle without a weapon. And what soldier would head off into war without having practiced using their weapon? They get familiar with it, how it feels, how it, is op- how it operates. They've been issued a weapon. The sword of the Spirit is the only weapon of offense in our, first, or in our list of, of armor. Our perfect example of someone heading off to battle and taking up the sword of the Spirit is Jesus. When he temp- faced temptation by the devil in the desert, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Scripture tells us. Imagine going for a few days without food, let alone 40. Think how weak we would feel or we feel after just missing one meal. How about 120 meals? Satan chose his first temptation with this in mind as he sinisterly offered a solution to Jesus' hunger. If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus responded with the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when tempted by the devil to prove that God would protect him, Jesus responded with the word of God. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan's third temptation was to entice Jesus to worship him. Jesus rebuked Satan again with the word of God. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Last week we saw Satan manipulating God's word in the garden, and now here with Jesus, 
He will use this tactic of manipulation on us as well. Satan will do everything possible to determine or undermine or destroy our confidence in the word of God. We will do well to take up the sword of the Spirit. So what does it mean to take up the sword? We must read the word of God, believing that the Bible is the inspired word of God. There is power to rebuke, to correct, to redeem, heal, drive out demons, and overcome all evil. We do well to treasure it, to hide it in our hearts, for this protects us from sin and the lies of the enemy. When we're tempted, we need to trust in the truth of God's word. We need to take the offensive against Satan with the sword of the Spirit as our weapon to combat his lies with Scripture. Lastly, when heading off to war, soldiers are already trained to be alert at all times. This is why so many of our soldiers, when coming back from war, struggle. Their senses have been conditioned to hypersensitivity. As Christians, we need to be alert at all times, alert to the enemy's tactics. To do so, Paul tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. As one commentary states, our warfare against Satan calls for an intensity in prayer. Prayer is not to be seen as just another weapon, but as part of the actual conflict itself. And please don't be deceived into thinking that you don't pray well enough. Don't fall into the trap of comparing your prayers to someone else's. If you have received Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have been given the authority to pray in the powerful name of Jesus. You're praying out of a heart and soul that is indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, We are also instructed to pray continually or pray without ceasing. A believer in constant prayer is like a soldier in preparation for the battle as well as in the engagement in battle itself. There is power in prayer. Prayer keeps us in constant communion with God. And when we join prayer with the word of God, it's like two sticks of dynamite strapped together as Beth Moore states in her book, Praying God's Word. Power to demolish anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. As we went through the list of appropriate attire provided for Christians, you may have picked up on the common thread that runs throughout. Belt of truth. Christ is the truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is through Christ. Feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Our footing is sure in Christ's sufficiency. Shield of faith. Faith in Christ. Helmet of salvation. Our hope is in Christ. Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and Christ is the word. Prayer, we are given the authority to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ is our all-sufficient Savior and Lord, our all in all. He has provided for each item of the Christian armor. 
our appropriate tire, attire for the invisible spiritual war. Nehemiah and the Israelites stood their ground and continued the good work of rebuilding the wall in spite of the opposition they faced. May we be encouraged and endeavor to do no less, to rise up and stand our ground as we take up the good work that God has called us to. Maybe you've felt the opposition increasing in your life as a Christian and you realize that there is an area of your armor that has been under attack. Maybe you feel you need strengthening in your faith as the enemy has been hounding you to doubt your salvation. Maybe the deceiver is urging you to question the truth that is in Jesus. I encourage you to come and and, and have the prayer team pray with you after service today. We are going to take communion, but we want you to know that prayer is available each week. We believe that there is power in prayer. You know, I realize that maybe you were here this morning and you didn't know that there was anything or anyone available to help you stand your ground against the enemy. In fact, you may have not even known that there was an enemy involved here. You thought maybe you were on your own um, to just limited to your human strength to navigate life. But there is so much more. But it all starts with and is supplied in Christ. So our prayer team would pray with you this morning to help you take that next step in putting on the full armor of God. I will close our our message this morning with these words of encouragement from Chuck Swindoll. He says, So then, Let us be just as aggressive and militant against our spiritual foe as Israel was against its national foes. To think that God would even allow us to be part of his combat unit is an honor indeed. May he be praised for equipping us for battle, empowering us for the fight, and encouraging us with the absolute promise of victory. Christ is our all-sufficient Lord and Savior, our all in all. He has provided for each item of the Christian armor our appropriate attire for the invisible spiritual war. Let's pray.